All right, good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Jim, and if I've never met you before, I'd love to meet you after the service, so please come find me, and so we can be best friends forever. I would love that. So, we're continuing on in our study of the book of Philippians, so turn to Philippians chapter 3. If you're using one of the chair Bibles, it's going to be on page 981. 981. To understand our text this morning, I'm going to need some imagination from you all because Paul has given us a, another word picture, another metaphor by which to understand the truths that he is speaking to us. And, and it's a simple idea, but I need you to picture running in a race. Now, for some of you, this may need a little more imagination than others, but that's okay. No judgments. No judgments here. But think about running not just a race, but a marathon. 26.2 miles. And I've only run, the farthest I've gotten is a half marathon, but I knew that with the 13.1, I definitely felt the .1. So I would imagine that when you're doing 26.2, you doubly feel the .2. But when you think of a metaphor, we do not think of something that is easy. We do not think of something that is quick. You know, you're not going to go and pick up some milk from the grocery store and run a marathon while you're at it. It's something that is difficult, that takes training and commitment over a very long period of time. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, is going to tell them, your life as a follower of Jesus is like running a marathon. not always easy, and it takes commitment and time to finish. And so we're going to look at what it means to run the race of the Christian life. If you're following along in your bulletins there, the big idea this morning is as people who belong to Jesus, we live a life of discipline obedience until he brings us home to be with him in heaven. And so as we look at this text, I want you to keep thinking of that runner running towards the finish line, running with all his or her might. And to picture yourself in that race. So let's look at point number one there. If you're again, if you're following along, in your outline, one of the best things you should do if you're running a race is to not stop running. So let's look at don't stop running there in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul, in this opening verse, is saying to the Philippians, I am not done. I have not achieved 
what I want to achieve. I have more work to do. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. But what's the this? What is he striving for? What is he working towards? This, of course, points us back to the previous verses. In particular, I'm going to use verse 10 of chapter 3 to help us understand it. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What has Paul not obtained? Paul has not obtained heaven. Paul has not obtained his resurrection body. And Paul has not finished the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Till one day he will see his Savior face to face. And there will be no sin blocking his relationship with his Savior. And there will be no ailment in his body. He says, this perfection that I know is coming, I don't have it yet. And so I need to keep running. Just like you cannot stop running a race in the middle of it, when you're running a marathon, you keep running. And Paul says, I'm still running. I'm not done. In fact, in verse 12, he says, but I press on to make it my own. The idea here is of he is in hot pursuit of his goal. He is running after Jesus. Again, the athletic words that Paul has used so far and will continue to use throughout our verses today, the striving and the discipline that is called for to be a follower of Jesus, it doesn't always feel good. It's not always easy but it's worth it. And so we run after Jesus. We don't mosey after Jesus. You know, I remember one time I was in college and all of a sudden two of my roommates decided to chase me for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I think they think I deserved it. But one of one of the girlfriends of my friends, now his wife, said, you know, Jim, I've never actually seen you run before. <laughs> and I was like, well played. I don't run. <laughs> I have one speed, forward. And I'll get there when I get there. But that day, I ran <laughs> as if for my life. <laughs> but the picture of us following Jesus is not moseying after him. The picture is us running after him with all our might. But why? Why would we do that? What is it about Jesus that I should pursue him? What is it about Jesus that I shouldn't stop running the race and just do fun things? 
Look at the end of verse 12. But I press on to make it my own. I run after this goal because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The reason you run after Jesus is because through his death and resurrection, he paid your penalty of sin. He died the death you deserved, and through faith, we belong to him. And since I belong to him, I run after him. Notice, I don't run after him so that I will belong to him, but it's because I belong to him. You cannot run fast enough to catch up with Jesus. (laughs) He's way faster than you are. But he already caught you. And you belong to him. So because... Jesus has saved us because Jesus made us his own and gave us his righteousness so that we can be in right relationship with the God who created us and have the hope of eternal life. Because of that, we run. And we don't stop running. So what does it look like to run after Jesus? Let's look at point number two there in your outline, run towards the finish line. Again, it's a simple metaphor, this idea of race, and and we all know that when you're in a race, you run towards the end. It's not like a free run where you have the race path and you just sort of do circles or you do figure eights or you do sort of freestyle running where you're jumping off things, although that would be cool. But the point of a race is to run towards the finish line. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that also to you. So again, in these verses, Paul reiterates, look, I'm not done with the race because I haven't reached the finish line yet. And so since I'm not done, I keep running towards the finish line. Look at verse 13. I do not consider that I have made it my own. I'm not done running, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Again, within this this metaphor, this idea of a race, it would be very foolish to run halfway through the race and just stop. Because you're obviously not done. So, the idea that he's saying here is 
the, the reason that he keeps saying, I'm not done yet, is because it is so much of a temptation to think we've arrived in our faith. That if I am a certain level of maturity, that I don't need to grow anymore in my faith in Jesus. That I don't need to become more and more like him every day. There's an arrogance that says, I'm done, but the rest of you aren't. And there's a humility in Paul. And again, think about Paul. Think about who Paul is. Paul is one of the writers of the New Testament and one of the first and most traveled missionaries in the early church. He has seen a vision of Jesus. And he says, I'm not done yet. And so part of what this says to me is, if Paul isn't done, then surely neither am I. (laughs) Don't stop the race midway. Run towards the finish line, not away from it. I mean, what's the easiest way to lose a race? Run the opposite direction from the finish line. Or stop and just, you know, head to McDonald's in the middle of the race. That would be a way to lose the race. I don't know, I've never done that, but I assume you would lose if you took like a lunch break in the middle of your race. Just seems to be true. But he says, I keep running. I forget what lies behind. And I run forward. Here's something I see. Sometimes we get caught in who we were or in what we used to do. And instead of running forward, we're either running backwards or we're running with our head cranked around to look backwards. Neither way will work. We need to run forwards. We need to be progressing in our Christian lives as we grow to be more like Jesus, as we grow in our service to God's people, as we grow in our witness to those outside the church. What's preventing you from running forward? Is looking backward keeping you from moving forward? One way I see this is that we're stuck in the good old days. I once had a friend said, sometimes they're the good old days because of bad memory. Another friend once told me, you know it's the good old days when you are gone and they make a monument to you with the rocks they threw at you when you were there. (laughs) Why is that? Why do we sometimes get stuck in the past? I think one reason is that memories are easier than the work of ministry. Let me tell you a story that a friend told me about an elder meeting he was in once. 
the elders were having a hard time finding musicians for Sunday morning. And as they began to tell stories, they told stories of a time when their kids were the musicians of the church. This particular church had an amazing amount of talent in their youth group as far as music went. And they did a whole lot of different things, and it was well done in every single way. But then the church went through a crisis because the youth graduated, moved away, and started families of their own. And all of a sudden, no more musicians. And he says as he looked at the elders, he saw a gleam of light in their eyes. Because they were remembering the good old days. And we can't blame them. It was when their kids were home. Their whole family was under one roof. And now their kids had spread to far parts of the country. But sometimes we want to stay there. Because... It's easier to remember than it is to figure out what do we do now. And we look back with fondness at those times. Those were good times, and God was blessing the church. This church has good old days. But we can't let the good old days keep us from running forward. But you might say to me, Jim, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And I say, you are exactly right. And the history degree in me completely agrees. (laughs) But it's how we use the past. Let Let me tell it to you this way. Our view of the past should be like the rear view mirrors in your car. When you're backing up or when you are in big traffic, you check your mirrors. If you're backing up, you might look behind to make sure you don't hit anyone. You look for safety. But you'd be really foolish if you kept looking in your rearview mirror as you continued to drive down the highway. There's a reason your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirrors. And so we do look back. We look back so we don't make the same mistakes. We look back to gather wisdom from those who went before us. But eventually, we look forward out the windshield and drive forward. And so we don't live in the past, but through our understanding of the past, we move forward the mission of God. As Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We'll glance back. We'll look back at our history. 
but always for the purpose of then going forward. Because that's the reason God gave us that history. So we could spread the good news and move forward in the race. Because we're not running back towards the start line. We're running towards the finish line. And in case people in the Philippian church had had different thoughts than this, I love what Paul says in verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. (laughs) Here's what Paul is saying here. If you're running backwards... You're not a mature believer. And if you're running backwards, my prayer is that God would change your heart. Because the goal of our lives is to run forward, to run after Jesus who's running ahead of us. So we learn from the past, but we're not stuck in the past. We don't run back where it's comfortable. We run where God is at work. So we don't stop running. We run towards the finish line. And number three in your outline there, we finish running. Look at verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. We are called to run until we see Jesus face to face. Now whether that happens through our death or through Jesus returning, if you are alive today, you need to keep running. The follower of Jesus follows him until the end. And it's a call of endurance. Again, again, this running idea. It's not always easy. I think about I've been I've been praying for our mops and awana people this week, especially. You guys, in one sense, are starting starting a race. And I'm not gonna pretend that it's gonna be easy. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine this, but there are some days you are not going to want to come to Mops. (laughs) But when you understand that when we are engaged in the various ministries that we're engaged in, whether it's Mops, whether it's Awana, whether it's the Thursday morning Bible study, whatever it is, whether it's our small groups, when you realize that we are engaging in running after Jesus for our good and for the good of others, the effort's worth it. Getting to the end of that race, there's, there's relief and celebration because you made it. And when you get to the end... There's that that joy and that satisfaction that you ran as best as you could. 
And, and in our ministry, we, we recognize that there's this call to endure, to persevere. But we also know, I don't want you to regret not doing what God has called you to do. When, when God calls you home, or is about to call you home, I don't want you to be thinking about, if only I had shared with Jesus with more people. I would hate that for you. When, when your time comes, I want your friends and family to be able to say, they serve Jesus to the end. Because our race isn't done until the end. Just like a marathon, that last point two miles, you're not done. And maybe some days you feel like you're on the last point two miles. You're not done until you're done. I want to close with a bit of a somber story today of an example of someone who didn't finish well. I'm not going to name names. That's not the important part. But I want you to hear the warning that if this guy didn't finish, then how much more do we need to be on guard so that we run the race given to us? This man was a pastor. He was one of the first missionaries from his denomination to go to Japan after World War II and was there a few years after the war ended. In fact, many of the evangelical churches that exist today in Japan can trace their origin back to him. When he came back from Japan, he was one of the founders of a Christian university. After starting a Christian university, he went on to teach at one of the best seminaries in the country for many years. And then he retired. He began to grow, to have a, relation, a reputation as being angry and not being able to play nice with others. There are some reports that he was a part of a movement to, in fact, split the denomination that he was a part of over some new changes that the leadership was doing that he didn't like. And there's also evidence that he was involved in at least two church splits and leaving one church and, and starting his own a few, few miles away. One of the national leaders called the local church that was closest to him that he had been a part of and had caused trouble in and, and asked him to put him under church discipline. And there was even talk about taking his credentials away 
The only reason they didn't was because of his age. And soon after that, within a couple years, the Lord took him home. This man who had been a missionary to Japan, who had been a part of starting and building Christian universities, did not finish well. He didn't run to the end. He didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. Said he kept his eyes in what he had done in the past. Friends, I don't want that for you. I want you to finish well. I want you, like the marathon runner, to run, to sprint after Jesus and Jesus alone. And don't stop halfway through the race. Don't even stop when you've got 0.2 miles left. Press on. Strive with all your might to follow after the Savior who made you his own. May God, by his Spirit, empower that endurance in my life and in yours. Let's pray. Father God, as people who have been made your people by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would run after you. That in our work and ministry, that in our growth to be more like Jesus, we would never give up. We would never stop running until you call us home and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That we would never feel like we have obtained perfection. That we would know that the only reason we have a relationship with you is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that our relation is based on faith in Jesus. God, give us the endurance and the perseverance to run every day. To endure and finish well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we want to celebrate with those who, in one sense, are beginning their journey this morning. At this time, I want to invite Pastor Lucas and Lindsay and Pastor Dave and Stuart to come and sit up here in the front row. And we're going to do a baptism today. Dave, Stuart, why don't you guys come up and sit up here in the front. And I want to say a few things as they're coming up. Go ahead and you can just sit there. So, What is Baptism. Baptism was, first of all, commanded by Jesus. In Matthew 28, Jesus gathered the disciples 
And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And what do you do when you make a disciple? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Baptism is a physical action that demonstrates an inner reality. Baptism, putting someone in the water or pouring water on their head, is not magical. It's not holy water. But what it is, is these individuals saying publicly, I have repented of my sins and placed my trust in Jesus Christ. Baptism is a profession of faith for the individual. And in this action that we can all see, it represents a person repenting of their sins and placing their trust in Jesus Christ. The picture of putting someone under the water, representing their death to their sins and raising them back up to new life in Christ is a powerful picture for all of us. Secondly, I want to say this, is that, and I don't mean to embarrass you guys, but I'm going to say your names all right. So Lindsay, we, we got to know Lindsay through Mops. And so it is really cool for us to see her baptized this morning. And Stuart has been a part of the Geezer Bible study that Dave's been doing for years. And it is so good to see God work in our church and in our community. So I'm going to call up Pastor Lucas and Lindsay. Lindsay is going to share her testimony with you. And then Pastor Lucas will baptize her. And then we're going to have Stuart go second.